We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Hey, I'm excited today. And uh, we're going to continue our wisdom series. If you haven't uh, been here in the last little bit, we're unpacking the, the wisdom of the Bible. And that might, uh, the wisdom books, and that might seem, of course, you have a whole Bible's wisdom, and it is. There's wisdom throughout. Uh, but there's all sorts of different literature styles in the Bible. You know, about a third of the Bible's pure history. And then another third's probably poetic, probably more. And then we've got letters, we've got prophecy, we've got all sorts of different types of uh, uh, writing in the Bible. We've been unpacking the books of wisdom, we've been unpacking uh, Job, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Now, we could put in Songs of Solomon in there, but I'm not game to talk about that yet. I need a few more years of Bible college to talk about Songs of Solomon. But, uh, and wisdom goes beyond books. Uh, the Word says Jesus is wisdom. And so wisdom is the principles of the Bible, but it's also the person in Jesus. And so we've been unpacking all of this. And uh, I'm going to shift a little bit today and talk about uh, God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. And I, I'm really excited. I was just feeling in worship at the end. I believe we're just going to have a bit of uh, time and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to just come and refresh us and minister to us. Uh, but I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into the Word of God. God, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that this is your church. I thank you that you know everyone here, whether they're from near or far, whether they're here every Sunday or it's their first time, you know them, you know their story, you know their situation, and you've got a word for us today. So we just invite you to speak to us. We focus our attention on you. We put aside distractions, we put aside maybe the stresses of life, and we fix our attention on you, because you are greater, you are bigger, you're a Lord of all, you're King of kings, Lord of lords. You're Lord of Lords, but you're here with us. You're not distant, you're not absent. You're here, you're with us. Your presence is here. We fix our attention on you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to start in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, and it says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hey, this is the foundation of the next verses. See, this is a letter Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and this is the foundation that uh, his plan, his eternal plan was Jesus. This is the foundation of everything we're about to read. God's plan for humanity was to restore us to himself through Jesus. Uh, we need to read the rest of this in light of that because that's the base. Are you with me? You with me? All right. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should, not, you should feel honored. You know, because of our faith in Jesus, remember the foundation, God's eternal plan. We can come boldly into God's presence. We're sons and daughters of God. Uh, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. 
then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness and life and power that comes from God. I love it from this foundation. God's eternal plan for humanity. Uh, Jesus fills us with inner strength. He becomes home in our hearts. See, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, he's not meant to just spend some time in the back room. We don't put Jesus in the granny flat. I don't know if you've got a granny flat, but it's where you put the grannies. Jesus isn't meant for the granny flat. He's meant to be home in our hearts, the foundation. Uh, roots grow down deep. You know, faith is a journey. Your roots grow down deeper as you, you know his love. Then you will be made complete. We'll experience God's love. Verse 20, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus though all, through all generations forever and ever. Amen. How much? He can accomplish infinitely more because of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. He can accomplish infinitely more in your family, infinitely more in our church, infinitely, infinitely more in you and me than we could ask or think. Why? Jesus, the foundation. Now, just don't put this verse up next, Andrew. Just hold on for a sec for me. And then chapter 4, right after chapter 3, starts with, therefore. Now, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask, what's it there for? Oh, zinger. Wrote itself, literally. Hey, this next bit I'm going to read is completely based on the, on the last bit. Let, this next passage, these next few verses we read, it is based on Jesus is the foundation, that through him we have inner strength, that his, he makes home in our hearts, that our roots grow down deep, that his love is too great to understand, so we've got to experience it, that then we're made complete. That's the basis, that our faith in Jesus is our foundation. That's the base. And so now we can put up chapter 4, Andrew. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. You know, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that's the start of a journey. That's the start of your journey, learning about God's love, His purpose, His word. You're transformed from the inside out. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, you say, hey, Jesus, you are Lord. Previously, or maybe even it's a process, different things are Lord in our lives. It could be anything. It could be family. It could be work. It could be pleasure. Those things are Lord. But when we make a decision to follow Jesus, He is now Lord. And when Jesus is Lord, we're called to follow Him. We're called to follow Him. See, when you make a decision to follow Jesus and experience the grace of God, you actually can't be the same. As you follow Jesus, as you experience His love, as you walk in His grace, it's a reaction. Things change. Because we're called to follow God. And today I'm going to talk about God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. And this isn't a, a, a sermon about 
you know, you've got to do the right thing. Isn't this sermon that says, stop saying bad words? We're not about behavior here. We're about, uh, this is a conversation about the reality we live in. That the principles, the word of God, the example of Jesus is often incredibly different to the world we live in. That's a reality. And we don't change our behavior because that's what makes us right. We change. We're, we're called to live a worthy calling because we follow Jesus. We experience his grace and love. And the reality is the world is different to God's values. Hey, let me read you 1 John 2. It says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Romans 12 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let there be a living and holy sacrifice to kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, some of the wisdom of God, the principles of living, crosses over to the world, and some doesn't. You know, today I'm not going to really detail the principles of living. You can go and read Proverbs and the Word of God. I'm going to talk about God's principles, God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. You know, some of it, most of it, not most, some, crosses over. I'd like to think if we got a, a large group from the community, those who believe in Jesus, those who don't, I'd like to think we can come to a common agreement that maybe we shouldn't murder anyone. I'd like to think we'd all be on the same page that, hey, let's not kill anyone. It crosses over. Do not murder. It crosses over. Hey, I'd like if we had a big uh, a general meeting at the, at the town hall in Yorktown, we can come together and say, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't steal anything. It crosses over. I think even if you got together and like, hey, guys, maybe let's not uh, sleep with our neighbour's spouses. I think even then you get a general consensus that I think we're all on the same page. You know, some of God's wisdom, I'd like to hope, it's pretty easy to do. Hopefully it's easy for you not to murder. I hope. Even in the morning. Some of it crosses over really easily. However, there, there are some standards in God's wisdom, and the world's different, that is incredibly different. Hey, the world with, with finances and money, it's take what you can get. Get it all for you. It's, it's about... Build up your storehouse. Where the word of God says, be generous. It still talks about wisdom, but it talks a lot about generosity. That's a bit different. Don't hear that too much out there. Hey, the world standard with uh, uh, sex is quite different to God's standard, isn't it? Uh, you can the drinking culture. Oh, let's just drink it away this weekend. That'll be. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear. Yeah, you can have a glass. Don't worry, but it's pretty clear we're getting drunk. Hey, let's go a bit deeper. Uh, the world says, look out for yourself. You've got to look out for yourself because no one else will. Do what's best for you. What does the Bible say? It says, put others first. What? Work for unity. What? 
Treat people better than yourself. Hang on, that's not. It's different, isn't it? Hey, uh, the world says if someone wrongs you, hold that grudge. You don't. We read it before. Make allowances for each other's faults. I'm going to make allowances for you. You're going to make allowances for me. Hang on, that's different, isn't it? Hey, in the world, you get your identity and what you do. I've got that career. I've got that new car. I've got that job. I've got... In the Bible, it says you're a son and daughter of God. That's where you find your identity. Hey, the world lives for the now. It's all about now, the pleasure now, the satisfaction now. The Bible says live in light of eternity. That's pretty different. I'll read 1 John again. It says, uh, verse 16, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. Now, if you read through the Word of God, that, that differs. You know, there's even some wisdom of God, even on the good days, can be pretty hard to do. Turn the other cheek. Well, I don't know about that. Murdering. I can tick murdering off as in I'm not going to go near that. Turn the other cheek. Forgive. Bless your enemy. Oh, hold on. I can avoid my enemy. Bless him. I was a bit ticked off the other morning, and then God uh, obviously was in a slightly humorous mood because I read this verse, let go of injustices. I'm like, no. Magnolia thinks it's funny. And, hey, the world's standard and God's standard, the world's wisdom and God's wisdom, the world's values and God's values is, is different a lot of the time. And I've had discussions with lots of people over the years about all the rules in the Bible. All the restrictions and all the principles you've got to live by and everything that stops you doing it. And I'll talk about that in a sec, but let me paint a picture. So you're playing soccer. And there's set rules. You can only use your feet. You can use other parts. You can't use your hands. There's 11 people on the field. There's a set field. You might hate soccer. Pretend it's cricket. Pretend it's footy. Pretend it's basketball. Whatever sport it is, there's set rules. There's how many players can be on the field. There's the equipment you use. There's what you can and can't do. Now imagine if I was playing soccer and I just picked up the ball and went for a run. I'll make the rules. Imagine I I scored a goal in soccer. A goal's worth one point. Imagine maybe my goal will be worth ten. That'd be good. Imagine if I decided, hey, forget about the boundaries. They're just restrictions. I'm going to grab the ball and just run around the stands. Imagine if I decided, look, 11 plays isn't enough. Maybe my team will have 50 and the other team can have 11. See, the rules in any sport govern the game so there's order, so it's actually enjoyable. I remember being in, we were in India, and we were playing cricket against these Indian kids, and it started off with the rules, but as we started winning, which was awesome, their rules changed, and suddenly, uh, instead of bowling properly, they came up to bowl properly, then they'd peg it as hard as they could. Then suddenly, we used to be doing LBW, but then when we started winning, it wasn't LBW anymore, and the rules changed, and it wasn't as enjoyable. We weren't winning anymore. The rules govern. Hey, driving. When you're driving, there's road rules. There's speed limits. There's lanes you've got to stay in. 
You can't drink and drive. You can't use your phone. Imagine if I just decided, hey, I've I've gotten behind on my favourite TV show. I've got to go to Adelaide. I might just put it on the steering wheel on the iPad and just catch it while I'm... Imagine if I decided, hey, I'm sick of driving in the left lane. Maybe I'll just go in the other one just to change it up. What if I decided, look, I don't really consider Pine Point a town, which I don't, but maybe I won't slow down. Maybe I'll just keep going, you know, 100, because I don't care about the rules, 120. The rules bring order. The principles in the word... The guidelines for living, they actually bring order, but they don't just bring order, they bring freedom. When it talks about forgiveness, that actually brings freedom for others and for you. It's not a restriction. Hey, when the Word of God talks about coming to church, that's not so we get in this religious system, that's so it protects us, it brings freedom, it brings blessing and encouragement. Hey, when when the Bible talks about drinking and not getting drunk, it's not to give restrictions, it's to bring protection, it's to bring encouragement, it's to bring, uh, stop the consequences. When it talks about sex, it's so we don't not enjoy it, but it's so we can have have the best of it, how God intended it. When it talks about our language, it's not limiting, it's saying, hey, if you speak with positivity, if you don't gossip, if you don't lie, you're actually going to have the better friendships, the better marriage, the better relationships. So the principles in the Word aren't to restrict, actually to bring true freedom. And so God gives us this wisdom. And it's different from the world's wisdom. And some people think the world's doomed. I'm not on that train. I don't think the world's doomed. I think there's a lot of good people. I think God's got incredible plans. Some people talk about how they want Jesus to come next week. I don't because there's not enough people believing in Jesus. So if you can pray for Jesus to come back, I'm praying he doesn't yet because I want more people to know about Jesus. The world's not doomed, but it's got different values in a lot of ways. About what we believe, about how we value people, how we live, what we find value in, how we interact with others. And we're going to come across this decision in our everyday lives. Are we going to go, world's wisdom or God's wisdom? That conversation at the footy club, will we get involved in it or won't we get involved in it? The gossip at the office. How we conduct ourselves in the marketplace. How we respond to that offensive remark. How we spend our time. And sometimes it's going to be really easy. When that person cuts you off, I'm not going to murder them. Well done. Sometimes it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. I just want to, uh, we're going to just quickly look at one of the stories in the Bible that I think just sheds a, a bit of light on maybe some help for us in this. And uh, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and everyone says Abednego, but that's not how it's mentally meant to be pronounced, but I'm going to do it anyway, because even if I try to do the other way, I'm going to get it wrong. Abednego. Give a brief context They've been brought out as exiles from Jerusalem. And these young men, Israelites, uh, taken into the Babylonian Empire. Uh, they saw potential in them. 
And they gave him new wisdom. They gave him new training. They taught him a new way of doing everything. They even gave him real names. Real names, new names. Their original names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they were giving new training, new wisdom. Sounds a bit like the culture we live in. They were living in a place that had different values, different wisdom, and different ways of doing things. That's a little bit like us. We live in a, a world that has a different values, a different way of thinking about situations, a different way of doing things. And we read these guys, and, and we're going to pick up in a, bit, a little bit, but basically the king at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar, erected this huge statue. And at a certain time, everyone was instructed to have to come down and bow down to this, wor- to this statue, worship it. And if they didn't bow down to the statue, uh, they were put in the fiery furnace. Quite uh, intense consequences for that. And we're going to pick it up and in verse, let's go verse 15. And this is King Nebuchadnezzar. They've already decided not to bow down once and this is where we're coming into the situation. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue from my power. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, I love that. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such hot fire in a furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. The Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Wow. I just want to make some observations. First observation community. They were in it together. Now, I don't know Shadrach personally. I'll meet him one day. Now, from this, seems like a pretty devout follower of God but I'm sure it was a bit easier because he had his two mates with him hey sometimes it's going to be tricky to follow the world's wisdom the uh, God's wisdom sorry 
And it's much easier if you're in community. Hey, in community, uh, you stand together. In community, you support each other. In community, you encourage each other, pray with each other. You know, if you do this life in isolation, you're going to struggle. A lot of animals, when they get ready to die, they go and isolate themselves. You've got to do it in community. I remember growing up and I was playing footy for the Southern Eagles. Now I play for Ardrossan. And me and a lot of you might know this guy, he lives in Allen, now Daniel Redden. And we were the only two Christian guys that we knew in the whole club. I tell you what, it was a lot easier because the other one was there. Didn't mean it was always easy, but it was a lot easier because the other one was there. So when we didn't do what they did, at least we had someone else with us. Hey, let me tell you, there's times in the community, I'm so glad I've got people praying with us. I'm so glad I've got someone to call up and say, hey. Because not every situation you're going to have someone with you, but you've got someone to phone call away. You've got someone to text message away. Some of these, God's wisdom, the storms of life are going to come. And the Bible teaches us how to react, how to do life. And sometimes it's going to be tricky. It's easy when we've got people around us. Get into community. And community doesn't come to you. You go to community, by the way. You've got to reach out. You've got to get around people. Another observation about this is they were willing to suffer. They said, and even if God doesn't rescue us. Wow. You know, sometimes it'll be uncomfortable to follow God's wisdom. Sometimes... Uh, We're pretty blessed. The early church, their suffering was getting killed. Our suffering is a bit of awkwardness, maybe inconvenience, maybe being uncomfortable, but it's still real. And we can't diminish that and minimise that because it's all relative. We only know what we know. So the uncomfortable, uh, the inconvenience, the, the awkwardness in standing God's wisdom, it's real. It's real. And the Bible is pretty clear that it's going to happen. I was going to quickly fire up a few verses. Uh, 1 Peter 3 says, But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. 2 Corinthians 4 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. 2 Timothy says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus will suffer persecution. Hey, you might be ridiculed or paid out. might happen. You might be left out. You might miss out. That's a reality. Christian life isn't without suffering. That's what happens. That's the price. But the reward is so much greater. And the next observation, in the suffering, you've got to trust God. They trusted God to rescue them. They trusted God will be with them. Now, when you're you're following God's wisdom and everything isn't working out, when there's injustices, when it's not going to plan, when you're incredibly uncomfortable, you've got to remember God is with you. God is with you in every step. His presence is with you in every situation. Trust God. If you have trouble trusting God, get to know Him more. You know, my daughter, Mari, you might have seen her at the front. 
only trust people to look after her who I know really, really well. And you might be an amazing person, but if I don't know you really, really well, I'm not going to trust you with my daughter. Even if you're amazing, but I don't know because I don't know you. If you have trouble trusting God, get to know Him. Get in the Word. Spend some time in, in, in prayer and in worship in church. See, as you get to know God, you, you won't just know the principles of the Word. You'll know His love, His character, His grace. And the more you get to know God, the more you trust Him. The more you know He's with you. Get to know God. Trust Him in the suffering. He's with you in every step. Trust God. My, my fourth observation, Jesus was with them in the fire. I love how they, Nebuchadnezzar said, we put Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in, but now I see four. And a fourth looks like a God. See, when you can stand in the fire, when you can stand in God's wisdom, people see Jesus in you. It's actually the greatest testimony we can live. It's to live by God's wisdom. If you can live in God's wisdom, if you can stand in the fire day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's the greatest testimony. You know, I love the country. I love church in the country. Because sometimes testimonies take years. And we get to interact with the same people. We get to see the same people. We get to do life with the same people. We get to show love to the same people week after week. And that testimony just grows. And they'll see how you react. They'll see how you love. They'll see when you follow God's wisdom over the world's wisdom. They see Jesus in you. And they respect it. You know, it's funny, even in my short time, I made a decision to play footy when we moved up to Adrosson to do the church. And the first few weeks was really awkward. Because everyone, the first question everyone asks you when they meet is, what do you do? And I've got no problem explaining that, but it's hard in, in five seconds running around an oval. It's hard to really give a picture, because they, they usually picture something else. And they get confused when they see me, and then the conversation ends, and then no one gets any clarity. <laughs> and so it, got, it was a bit awkward at the start. And then they realise, hey, he isn't too weird. So they kind of get to know you a bit. And then they think, oh, he isn't weird. Maybe he's just the same. And so they try and get you to come out and get smashed with him. But then he doesn't do that. And they're like, hang on, what's going on here? Then they realise, oh, something's different. And now they start asking about church. Now, now and then they pop in. And it's like, wow, God's good. And by no means am I like the typical example. Don't, <laughs> but it's just a picture of the testimony after. There's another guy in our club. I've shared this story before, but I just want to do it again. And maybe the keys could come. He's been playing for the footy club uh, probably like 20 years. He's getting close to 40, and he's still about five times fitter than I'll ever be. And everyone knows he's Christian. And we're on this pre-season camp. And he reads his Bible at 8 a.m. on a dot every day. I don't know how he did that with kids, but good on him. But, and we're at this camp, and it was about 10 past 8, and he wasn't there because he was reading his Bible. 
Now, hey, say we on. I would have moved it earlier, but he didn't. He's doing him. And they're kind of waiting. They're getting a bit itchy. Like, oh, who wants to go get him? No, I'm not getting him. The statement for the coach was, no, I'm too scared of God to go get him. I'll get struck down or something. And they delayed the whole day for him. Anyway, what's amazing was we had kind of like fitness tests and games throughout the camp. And they were all in different teams. And the team who won got like a bunch of cash to spend on the booze that night. What was amazing was that they gave the guy the cash to put in the offering in his church. Because they respected him, they respected. A testimony had grown over the time. Hey, it's going to sometimes be tricky and awkward, uncomfortable to follow God's wisdom. To let injustices go, to forgive, to love when no one else loves, to be generous when no one else is generous. But if you can trust that God is with you, they're going to see Jesus for you. Now, the Word of God brings freedom and life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're standing in the fire right now, if there's situations happening around you, and you feel like responding one way, but the Word of God says bring peace, the Word of God says be joy, the Word of God says love, keep going. God is with you. His love is with you. And when you keep standing, when you keep following God's wisdom, they're seeing Jesus through you. What might be the biggest struggle for you right now may be the biggest testimony for someone else right now. Keep going. Keep going. God, I thank you for everyone here. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom you've given us. God, give us strength to stand in our world. Give us strength to follow your wisdom, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's awkward, even if it's misfitting. God, if we've fallen away there, we repent and turn back to you. We've got caught up in the world's standards, the world's values. We turn back to you right now. And God, you don't, uh, make this, you don't bring us back in with our head down. You, you bring us back boldly and confidently into your presence in the Father's arms. God, I pray for your love and grace just to fill us afresh. You're not a God of condemnation. You're a God of love, of forgiveness, of grace, because that's your plan to send your Son to earth. It's your eternal plan to restore us to you. And then we're called to live out and show your love. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe if just Sarah can join us, the rest of the band, you can stay down. Hey, I was just uh, worshipping before, and God brought this, this passage onto my heart. It's in Joel chapter 2, and it says, Then after doing all those things, what are all those things? Give you a bit of a recap. Um, basically, there was repentance and restoration in this book. I can't give you, I'm not going to go through it all right now, but... Israel were in a situation, they repented, God brought restoration. And then it says, after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. 
In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth. I just felt uh, that God just wants to pour out his spirit today. And for some that might be refreshment, some that might be healing, some that might be strength, some that might be prophecy and visions. I believe God and heaven just wants to meet us. Who's the Holy Spirit? It's God's presence on earth. Same spirit as God, same heart as God. Not awkward, not misfitting, not a mystical ghost. Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth. Jesus said it's better that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come. Peace from heaven. And we're just going to sing uh, that still, still. And we're just going to worship. Because what's worship? It doesn't bring in the presence of God worship. Worship fixes our attention on the presence of God. Because God's here. Think of your most powerful encounter with God you've ever had. That same God, that same presence is here today. God doesn't change. His presence, His love, His peace, His joy, His strength, His healing is here now. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, He just wants to come and meet us. And the best place we can put our attention on to do that is just to meet with God. Some of us, there might be a bit of a repentance in our heart, which is purely turning and following Jesus. Some of might be just fixing our attention, laying aside the distractions. I believe the Holy Spirit's here. God, I thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, pour out your presence on us. Pour out your spirit, heaven open. Sons and daughters to prophesy. Old men to dream dreams. Men and women alike. Heaven come. We're going to just worship together. And I believe as we worship, God's going to come and meet us. And you can sit, you can stand, just put yourself in a position. You can come to the front, whatever you want. Put yourself in a position to receive from God. I believe He's here. I believe He wants to meet us. Thank you, Jesus.